0: The good news is she thought my waist was a size 34. It is not, and I'm in a lot of pain. And so if I break out of this like an empty tomb, you've been warned. Wow, that was so inappropriate. Sometimes it just comes out, okay. All right, let's recover. May the peace of Christ be with you. Thank you. Speaking of empty tombs, what a day. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it was like with all anticipation that the life pattern, the pattern of even our own lives, is that we, we wake up each day probably not in expectation. Most days we wake up under the cloud, under the reminder of pain and suffering and death, and we read the news and it just echoes it back to us. But on this day, as they went to the the place where Jesus had been buried, they found what they didn't expect. And for those of you that have come to find Jesus, that's what we confess, that we have found something, we've taken a shift in our life, our very grounding has moved, that we've gone from a place of death to life. And, and that, that space of the, the boulder being closed in, the heaviness of the rock that I'm, I'm stuck in this place and the, how could I ever move it out of the way? We find, again, that there is hope, that that burden you carry, that heavy rock that sits in front of you, whatever it is, it's possible that it too might be rolled to the side. Because Jesus comes to show us as tangible as your life is in the very real space that you find yourself in, that there is life to be lived right now, not just later, but right now. Imagine if our culture and our world chose life every day, that we refused and resisted the tendency of despair and cynicism And violence and all those things. But instead, we chose resurrection every day. If we lived in the world where we expected that kind of new life, the world would be changed. And that is the change that has begun 2,000 years ago and is continuing across the world and hopefully today, incrementally at least, even in your own heart and life. This is the narrative we read in Luke chapter 24, verse 1 through 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They were expecting death. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood behind them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, and hear this, hear it as if it's you, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, but on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered His words. But this wasn't just an issue of remembrance. This this is an issue for so many of us of lostness, of, of living in the wrong narrative. You see, they go to the wrong place to find what isn't there. They go to a space looking for the dead and looking, excuse me, looking for Jesus' dead body, but Jesus is nowhere to be found. And it beckons that same question of where is it that you are seeking and searching for life? Is it amongst the dead or is it in the world of resurrection? Where is it that you find yourself? I can relate personally. I've spent years of my life, my early 20s, searching for the living among the dead. And by that, I don't just mean hanging out with sinners, although I did some of that too. I mean that I was living in a land looking for something that wasn't there. wasn't that long ago. 12 years ago, I was in the prime of my young adulthood, hood, accomplice to musician, traveler, and all around strapping young lad. <laughs> at least that's what I thought about myself. But my wife was a bit of a skeptic. She wasn't my wife at that time. She didn't share the same narrative of me that I shared of myself. You see, I loved the thrill of life. I was looking for meaning in everything. I was dissatisfied with the Sunday school answers and all the things I'd been bumping into. So I just kept searching out there for more and more and more. And the more I thought I would have, the more I realized I hadn't. My image of who I was, seeker, strong, young, was beginning to fade. And of course, when I finally did get around to asking my wife if she would go on a date with me, to my surprise, she said a two-letter word. <laughs> she said no. Well, how could that be? How could she say no to me? See, she realized that maybe more than a seeker, I was actually maybe was a bit of a sinner, <laughs> My reputation had begun to groan. The trail I was leaving behind me was hard to cover. She was too wise and too smart to know the good looks weren't enough. (laughs) And her saying no was helpful for me because it helped me realize that it, it, I've been, it, it t- untied myself from any responsibilities in life. I was like a dog without a leash running free, or like a boat without an anchor, or like a wick without a candle to hold its burn, its flame. And that way for me, ended up to be a way of suffering. I was living totally anonymous and enthralled with my sense of potential. Intentionally saying no to anything that I thought might limit me. Like so many of us, I thought I was just, you know, made for more. But that more continued to reveal itself as futile. In some way, the soaring kite that I thought I'd become needed a string attached to it. I needed a grounding. I needed to be connected to something beyond my own means. And no, that wasn't my wife that I needed, although I do need her. I needed something that, as far as I can tell, only Jesus has ever offered. And that's the shift, by the way, from Lent to Easter. In Lent, we learn to detach ourselves from death, from the things that are dragging us down. And to reconnect ourselves and our dependency on the person of the resurrected Jesus. We exchange the dead for the living. Jesus echoes this over and over again. At one point in the book of John, verse 10, he says this, chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And there it is. Jesus is telling us, he's speaking to us here that there is, there is an offering out there for you, but that offering doesn't actually give you something, it takes from you, it destroys you, it will kill you if you continue to partake in it. But Jesus says, Hey, I have come to give life and to give it to the full. This is why in, the, in, in the Easter we move from fasting to feasting by tethering ourselves to Jesus, the one who in resurrection can point us to the more while still holding us to solid ground. And, and, and this, of course, is even witness in his own body that he is, he is both human, he is flesh in this reality, and yet he is resurrected. He's eternal. Death is gone from his being. And so on Easter, we don't just celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, because for Jesus... The whole reason he went to where he went was so that he, with all of us, might celebrate that not just that he has been resurrected from the dead, but that every single one of us here is beginning to move from the old to the new, from dead to alive, from unanchored to anchored. That is what Easter is about. It's the transformation from not living to really living here and now. It's to move out of the cyclical pattern of suffering and chaos into the road of discipleship, the way, the truth, and the life. It is to live in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' words, he says, because I live, you also will live. That's the message of Easter. Through Jesus' resurrection, we now have a life to live. We can be a people of hope, not a culture of despair. We can be a people of life, not a people of death. In John 5, verse 25, Jesus says to us, Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and is now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. This morning, I want to invite you To respond to the voice of God, to the echo in your heart, to noticing that the longing you have might not even be your own longing, it might be the longing of God in you, inviting you to awaken from the dead, inviting you to leave the wandering of the tombs and step into... The living of new life. So why do you look for the living among the dead? Jesus is risen. He won't be found there. Heavenly Father, we ask that you will help us to step fully into this invitation of yours we ask that you would enable our nose to become yes this morning that you would shift the, the boulder in front of our heart roll it aside so that we might stand and worship in life and so that we might leave this place a resounding in newness and may we pick it up again every day by saying yes to you, the resurrected one, who offers his peace and his life. God, help us to break from the chains of despair, to break from the chains of suffering, and to exchange it for the good life that you offer us, Christ, that's available even in our pain, that's available even in our moments of suffering. Christ, the risen one, to you be the glory. Amen.